0: Sunday and what God is calling us to in trying to keep this command. Now, I was listening back to the talk from last week on the podcast, and I literally lulled, literally laughed out loud when I heard uh, Alex Richardson, my mate, starting off by quoting Shakespeare. Now, I've known Pal for a long, long time, and I have never known him to be a fan of the Bard, uh, so I sent him a wee text message just to take the hand out of him a bit. And he suggested that I should start off with something equally inappropriate to be coming out of my mouth. So, do I have a wee clicker here? I do. Uh, he thought that a wee bit of what he called gangster rap would do the job. Now, I don't know if you know me, but my Apple music is, is it's coming down with Beethoven more than gangster rap, let's just say. Uh, but I went onto the Google and I found this song by uh, an apparently famous beat poet called Lecrae. You may have heard of him. Uh, And the song is called Cry For You. And Lecrae says this. Sunday morning, or Sunday morning. See what he did there? (laughs) I woke up dead inside from all the hurt I saw before me. Evil trying to take away my testimony. Staring at my phone, feeling like a phony. Couplet worthy of Shakespeare himself there. Oh, I cry for you. I would die for you. To escape the pain I feel from all that I've been through. So as Lecrae invites us to ask, when we, when we think about what's coming tomorrow, what's coming after we go to sleep and we wake up tomorrow morning, how do we think about Sunday? Do we think about Sunday morning? Or do we think about Sunday morning? When we wake up tomorrow dead inside from all the hurt, of this world, as Lecrae talks about? Is it a morning? Is it a a fresh start? Is it something that we look forward to? Is it something full of life? A day of God's grace and his goodness to us? Or is it Sunday morning? Uh, A dead day of drudgery where we can't do what we want to do and we'll have to do a pile of stuff that we don't want to do. What way do we think about Sunday Well, as we look at this, as we think about this commandment, I think it's going to be very interesting. It will reveal not just what we think about the Sabbath day, but what we think about God himself. What we really think about God will shape what we think, what we thought about his commands and about this day. Because either the God we have in mind is a strict taskmaster, schoolmaster, rulemaking God, always just uh, setting rules of authority, wanting to clamp down on us. Or he's a good and a gracious and a kind and a loving father who gives us commands to help us, to bless us, to be good to us. So as we think about these things, as we think about Sunday morning, uh, I've got three questions. First of all, what is the Sabbath? And we'll be thinking A wee bit more about the Old Testament and Exodus there. Then we'll be thinking, secondly, what is the Sabbath for Christians? Is it the same? Is it different? And thirdly, then we'll get really practical and think, how can we keep this fourth commandment? How can we keep the commandment? So first of all, what is the Sabbath? It is a day that is set aside as distinctive. In Exodus 20 there, if you have your Bibles, you can look down. As the commandments are given, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's to be kept holy. And holy doesn't just mean kind of pure and white, a wee bit zany, kind of, you know, that sort of thing, glowing with light. In the Bible, it means set apart. It means distinctive, set aside and different from everything else. There's a holiness in God. He is set apart. He's completely different from us in so many ways. That set apartness was to be marked in God's people. And they were to mark this day by setting it aside. One day in the week that was apart and different, special compared to every other. Keeping one day set aside and distinctive. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it. Holy, God says. Secondly, it's to be a day of rest, a day of rest from regular work, to remember God's goodness and then to give him praise. So verse 9 says, "'Six days you shall labor and do all your work, "'but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord our God. "'On it you shall not do any work, "'neither you nor your son or daughter, "'nor your male or female servant.'" nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Now, to really understand what's going on here, we have to understand that God's people had just come out of Egypt. As God starts to give these commandments, as we just read, what does he tell them? Who does God tell them he is? He says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God's people had been in slavery. They had to work every day in awful conditions. Their taskmasters over them kept making it harder and harder as time went on. And that kind of sets this commandment into a whole other light, doesn't it? God wasn't restricting them. God was blessing them. He was saying, I'm the kind of king who cares, who cares about you, who loves you enough to give you a day off from your regular work very quickly, that day that was set aside, uh, where no regular work was done, became a focus for worshipping God. The whole purpose was to remember his blessing and his goodness, to remember who he really is. And so it makes sense that as the history of God's people went on through the Bible, the Sabbath became a day for meeting together and hearing from the law, which was their Bible, and worshipping God. That went on through the times. Uh, of the temple and the synagogues. The Sabbath was this day of rest from regular work to remember who God is and to praise him for it. It was also a day that was to follow the pattern of rest right from creation. So our passage in Exodus 20 and verse 11, it says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Exodus here takes us back to Genesis. God didn't need to rest after creating the world. It wasn't that he was tired, but he did rest. And in doing so, he put a kind of a pattern into creation, a pattern of weekly rest, resting on one day in seven. Weekly rest wasn't made up by Moses. In the Ten Commandments here, it's a pattern that God has put right into creation. We might say that it is a kind of a rhythm to be followed. There's this rhythm in creation. And you know what it's like whenever the band doesn't stick to the rhythm. Now, not these guys tonight. They were pretty slick, pretty on it. Mr. Woods on the skins, keeping it tight. Uh, but you know what it's like whenever it isn't just so tight. It's a wee bit of a mess. When you fall out of the pattern, when one instrument falls out, it tends to all end in disaster. Well, in the same way, there's a rhythm that God has woven into creation for us for our good, a pattern of work and then rest, work and then rest, work and then rest. And if we fall out of that pattern and that rhythm, it will not end well for us. We know that's true, our world knows That that too much work and too much stress is an issue, that is a big thing at the moment for sure. The, The headlines are full of stories about mental health and anxiety, bad mental health, I'm sure you've heard lots about that in school. We live in a really, really driven world. So now you can buy an Apple Watch, and your Apple Watch on the one hand will tell you about your calendar and all the work you need to do this week to be productive, to get all your stuff done. And at the same time your Apple Watch will tap you to tell you that you need to take a break, you need to breathe. It'll give you a wee warning if you've been in too noisy an environment, tell you to get out somewhere quiet to get a wee bit of a break. Your Apple Watch keep you busy and help you to recenter yourself. Take a break for some peace. So in a certain sense the Apple Watch is the world's kind of dodgy version of the fourth commandment, trying to find Rhythm in a world that's gone mad with busyness. God knows that humans so easily get out of balance between the expectations of performance and achievement and hard work and that need at the same time to rest, and take a step back and remember what is really important in life. We find it hard to keep that balance. So God's command is a blessing. It's calling us to be in a pattern, in a rhythm of work, and then God-centered rest. Work, and then God-centered rest. That is God's pattern, the rhythm of creation. And that is, in part, what the Sabbath is as well. So what's the Sabbath? Holy, set aside, special, and distinctive. It's a day of rest, remembrance, and praise, and it helps us to follow that pattern of rest that we see God has put into creation. So that's what the Sabbath is, according to the Old Testament there in Exodus 20. Secondly then, what is the Sabbath for Christians? And you might have some idea in your head that it's different between the Old and the New Testament. Well, what about that? Well, we can say for sure that it is something different for us than for Jews, We are not Jews. If you didn't know that, that's the case. We're not Jews. Moses is not our main man, neither Abraham either. And that is far better for us that Jesus is our main man. Because in the years after these commandments were given, Jewish rabbis really went to town, piling up more and more restrictions and limitations and ways to keep the Sabbath and ways to break the Sabbath. So it was taught that you could lift... No more than the weight of half a fig. Or you were working on the Sabbath. That will be difficult for me because I work in grams, not figs. It would be slightly hard to work out. You could lift up your child. But if your child was holding something, then you'd lifted the thing that the child was holding, so you'd broken the Sabbath. You couldn't walk more than a set distance outside your home. But if your neighbors all agreed, the rabbi said, to put a big rope around all your homes, then that really was the boundary of your property so you could walk the allowed distance beyond that rope. Ah, sensible, not so slow, those rabbis. So Sabbath keeping had, through history, become a really, really big thing for the Jewish people. And so in the Gospels, when the Pharisees had decided that Jesus was an enemy, they tried to trip him up, tried to, Get his disciples as well on their breaking of the Sabbath. The Sabbath for us is something different than for the Jews. But Jesus showed that the difference, really, for Christians in keeping the fourth commandment is that in many ways it's something more and not less than it was for God's people before he came. In Matthew 5, Jesus tells us that he hasn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill it, just as we were singing in one of our songs earlier. Indeed, he goes on to show that the commandments given against murder and adultery actually mean something more now in his teaching than, uh, rather than something less. And that pattern seems to be true for Christians and the commandments in general. So the fourth commandment, this command about the Sabbath, isn't it all to be done away with for Christians? Rather, we can understand it in a new and a richer and a deeper and a fuller way as Christians. The the commands, the law, they have all been fulfilled for us by Jesus. Jesus kept all of God's law perfectly. And now because we have our righteousness made perfect through his obedience... We are free to be obedient to that fourth commandment in a new and a richer and a deeper and a fuller way. But in a slightly different way, in a way that worships Jesus as king. The most practical and the most obvious outworking of that is that there's a big shift from the Sabbath on what would be our Saturday Sunday the Jewish Sabbath was on a Saturday for us which is the last day of the week for them in Mark 16 we're told that when the Sabbath was over on the first day of the week the women went to Jesus tomb and they discovered there that he had risen and so very early on in the early church the resurrection day became the day that was the focus for worshiping Jesus Not the Sabbath, if you were a Jew, which was a Saturday, but the day after it, which was the Lord's day, our Sunday. Acts 20, verse 7. It's the first day of the week when believers come together to break bread, the day after the Sabbath. Similarly, the, the command in 1 Corinthians 16 to collect together an offering to be given to help the poor is to be done on the first day of the week. And the implication is that the people were all together on what would be our Sunday. So the earliest Christians, they came together to worship on the Lord's Day, a shift from the Saturday of the Jewish Sabbath to Sunday, the Christian Lord's Day. And that's a big part of why we do the same as Christians. We meet on Sundays in general. As Christians, we don't just look back on Sundays to the law being given. When we look back, we see Resurrection Sunday, we see the cross and the empty tomb. We set aside a day each week to meet in the pattern of that first Resurrection Sunday. We're remembering the start of God's work in recreating the whole world. When the law shows us our sin, when the commandments show us that we're sinful people because we break them, we can go on Sunday and look back and remember Jesus' victory over sin. We don't just look back to Jesus' people being freed from slavery in Egypt. We are remembering Jesus' victory in leading his people, us, out of slavery to sin overall as he became victorious over sin and came out of the grave, out of the tomb. So the Lord's day is not the same as the Jewish Sabbath. It's different, but it's not something less. It's something more. It's something better and fuller, something richer and deeper for us to celebrate as Christians. So that is what the Sabbath means for Christians. Thirdly then, and finally, and more practically as well, how can we keep God's fourth commandment? Firstly, one of the ways that we need to keep God's fourth commandment is without falling out over it, and that could definitely happen. There are are some things that we can agree to disagree on as Christians inside God's family. We don't always see things the same, and that can be okay. Paul is talking about some of those things in Romans 14, and he says this from verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He goes on to say, You then, Why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. There is a a part of us as humans that always wants to set up little tests of righteousness that other people will feel so that we can judge them. We're just like that. That's the way we work. We need to avoid that as we think about how to keep God's fourth commandment. The truth is that the church and Christians over time haven't always agreed on this, not by any means. Some people don't think that the Sabbath day of rest and the Lord's day of worship on a Sunday have to be the same day. If you want to know what I think, I think that they are the same day, they probably should be the same day. But let's not fall out over that kind of thing. Let's not certainly let's not judge each other because of it. Instead, let's think really carefully about these things. Let's think really carefully about how we keep, how we even personally keep God's fourth commandment. What did Paul say there in Romans 14? Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. This isn't something you've thought about before. It's important, it's something that you should wrestle with and think through. The Bible encourages us here and in lots of other places to use the brains that God has given us. Not everything that we should do and shouldn't do as Christians is written out in black and white. I can't give you the answers to all the questions you might have about this topic tonight, Uh, certainly not in the time I have in this talk. And even if I could, I'm not sure that that would really be the point. The point is for us to think these things through ourselves, to try to be fully convinced in our own minds. We can use our brains to take some of the principles that God teaches in his word and and the things that are meant for our good and for God's glory and apply them to our lives. Think about the choices we make and how we live. So at the very minimum, God's word calls us to set aside a day out of seven, to come away from our regular work and rest, and to remember his goodness, to get into that rhythm of life. And while Christians through all of time, through the centuries, haven't always been able to do that together on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, and haven't always even agreed that we should, I think we can all agree that we, as we use our brains, as we use our minds, we know that we are blessed to live in a time in an age when, by and large, we all can. We live in a country that used to think of itself as Christian. And so if only for that reason, most of us don't have to work on Sundays. And most of us are able to meet to worship on a Sunday. So when I think really carefully about it, I think we should all celebrate our Lord's Day to worship Jesus and our Sabbath to rest and be in that rhythm, that pattern of rest from our regular work on a Sunday and together as God's people. So how can we keep this commandment? First of all, without falling out over it. Let's not get into big rows. Secondly, let's try to think really carefully about it because this is a, a, a complex issue. It's not really straightforward. You can probably tell that from the way that I'm having to talk to you. A wee bit more simply, we can keep the fourth commandment by keeping Sunday a day to enjoy. Keeping it a day to enjoy. A Sunday morning, not a Sunday of mourning. I was chatting this week to a guy who is a student alongside me at Queen's. And I told him I was doing this talk on the Sabbath. And he's not, you know, a real theology student rare like me or anything. He's a totally normal person. And I told him what I was talking about. And he said, oh, mate, that totally changed my life. Totally changed my life. And he went on to tell me that a couple of years ago, he started keeping to that rhythm of keeping a Sunday as a day where he didn't do any of the work he normally did the other six. He didn't do any uni work. He just did church stuff. He went to church services. He went to youth fellowship. He had lunch with his family. He saw his girlfriend. He visited his granny. He went for a walk. He read a Christian book. He did stuff that he knew was good and was godly and would build him up stuff that he enjoyed that filled him with life that helped him to remember how good God is as he kept Sunday as a day that he could enjoy and a day that he could enjoy God in so can I encourage you to do that do the things that you enjoy that build you up in your faith do the things that are good for all of us as people feast Have a big meal, maybe. Have a big feast like we're going to in the coming kingdom. Have a a big Sunday lunch. Maybe you do that already. And do it not just as a family tradition, but as that we taste of the good things that are coming in heaven when we're with Jesus. Worship him. Go to church. Don't be lazy. Get out of your bed. If you're lucky to have a church that has two services, then try to be committed to that as well. Go to the evening service. It's 100% more opportunity for God to pour his grace into your heart, to encourage you, to fill you up, to build you up, and help you to live for him. So feast, a good bit of food. Worship God, go to church. Have fellowship as well. See people that you don't always see. Spend time with other Christian people to be built up in God's family. That might be in, in Bible class or youth fellowship or something like that, if you have it in your church. It will definitely be through going to a church service where all ages of the church family are together to worship and to praise God. So feast, worship, fellowship, in whatever ways at work for you, keep Sunday a day to enjoy and to be encouraged in your faith, to be encouraged spiritually. Lastly then, keep Sunday a day to rest in God's rhythm. I I wonder maybe, maybe you're naturally a workaholic. You know that about yourself. You need to consider then maybe whether it is actually better for you to do that work on a Sunday. Maybe you're naturally a bit more lazy Maybe you need to consider a call to try to do all your labour and your work in six days and so be able to keep a day aside to enjoy as a, go- a day that God has blessed you with. Remember also that this kind of Sunday rest, it doesn't mean doing nothing. That isn't an excuse to not go to church or do the things that God calls us to on that day. It's a different kind of rest. It means stopping the stuff you normally do to spend that day remembering really actively how good God is. So the question is, what takes up your energy from Monday through to Saturday, those other six days in the week? I reckon for most of you, it's going to be things like schoolwork and sport, practice for other things you do, music, stuff like that, maybe a part-time job. This command It is not about saying that you can't do things. Remember, it's about God blessing us. It's about setting you free from slavery in a world that always wants you to do more, a world that is always assessing your performance. To set you free to go and remember the gospel of grace, to remember the good news that Jesus has for us. To meet again with the God who looks at you and sees you through Jesus, in Jesus, in Christ, and does not remember your past dismal performance. So on this day of rest, do you want to have that blessing or do you want to do more stuff that ingrains in you even deeper that need to work and achieve and perform and be busy and succeed? That pressure that we feel all the rest of the week, and all the other things we do. Do you want to do more of that, or do you want to come and rest, and know God's peace, and remember the path that leads to real life, the path that leads to real success, to fullness of life, and pleasure at God's right hand, that path of life that God promises? It's actually encouraging, I think, to go to church and be reminded that we are weak and that we need Jesus to be strong. So keep a day to rest in God's rhythm, to be with his people and be reminded of those truths. One writer says, as we finish up, Sabbath is a practical lesson in trusting God to provide. Practical lesson in trusting God to provide and resisting the temptation to take matters into our own hands. It's a master class in understanding the famous biblical command to be still and know that I am God. So keep Sunday to rest in God's rhythm. Work six days. Be busy, be productive. Keep one day holy and set aside to rest and remember how good God is. Overall, as we finish up, if you want to keep the fourth commandment, if you want to rest in the blessing that our good God offers to every Christian, maybe two simple questions to ask yourself. As you think about tomorrow, as you go into Sunday morning, as you think about your Sundays overall, ask these two questions. What do I do on Sunday that stops me from remembering how good God is? What do I do on Sunday that stops me from remembering how good God is? Secondly then, what can I do on Sunday that will help me to remember, not just in a kind of a general way, but in some very specific ways, how good God is? What I need to stop doing that distracts me from that? What do I do? What can I do? What can I start doing to help me to remember how good God is? As we think about that, let's pray.